adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Wow, wow. <laughs> Chris, you're not going to sing the you're not going to say Venga Boys are back in town? Venga Boys are back in town. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Rated This Way, a cultural podcast that brings you the latest and greatest news from the world of Syria and European soccer uh, and 1990s. Uh, I guess fun- funky pop. Uh, what's this called? <laughs> what's kind of what, what kind of music is this? I think it's pop, isn't it? Like Euro pop. Uh, Euro pop. Yeah, Euro yeah. pop yeah. Is, is a pretty good, accurate description. But anyways, uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Of course, uh, with me as always, we have uh, Paulo Nobaloni Mangoni. Good day, everyone. Uh, we have uh, the Venga Boy himself, Mr. Chris Baselli. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? <laughs> uh, and of course, we have uh, Padju Julian D'Angelo. How's everybody doing tonight? How is everyone doing? Uh, you know. Chris, not so bad. Or yeah. Chris, worse than me. I, that's, I should put it that way. Chris, come worse see, than you? Saw, as they say. Yeah. Why, why is Chris worse than you? Well, we'll, we'll get into that later, right? Okay. Maybe we won't. Maybe we won't. <laughs> Sometimes maybe we will. Sometimes maybe we won't. <laughs> well, what's what's the old saying when that uh, when you're scared, Michael? In Italian, cagate soto, a soto. Uh, yeah, did Chris cagate soto? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> after this weekend, maybe. La caca fresca. That means go shit outside. <laughs> <laughs> Is that out of your system there, Paul? Uh, yes, I think it's out of my system. Yes. Not the caca fresca, just your laugh there. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> okay um so we've got uh quite a uh i guess a recap to do for you so we have we had a midweek game um very important games but we can't really take the time to go through all of them but uh again we'll do we'll quickly go run through our midweek games then we'll go through the more important ones which were week uh 37 games uh because we only have one week of city of soccer left and it's a big week coming up so again we have to paint this picture for everybody who's listening uh, so that they understand just the, um, I guess, the situation that all these teams find themselves in. Uh, but we'll do that. Then, of course, uh, later on the show, we'll have our, uh, our Who Am I, uh, along with our Who Am I discussion um, uh, point that was brought to us by a listener who guessed correctly. Uh, and then, and then, and then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of possible Europe matchups, etc. We'll, we'll preview next week's, of course, um, final match day of City at some point. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's a pretty loaded schedule, so yeah. we should probably jump right into it. Um, anything just to start off, boys, just to get off, uh, you know, from the preamble that you guys you can't, you know, there's no other place to show for it, but right now, uh, there's also uh, Lazio Torino on Tuesday, uh, Coppa Italia final Wednesday. That's a good point. Great point because uh, I mean Lazio at this point though they're I don't know that it, because of the loss. Yeah, we'll get into that I think, but they do have a, a makeup game. But Torino has a very important game uh, or important result pending from that game. So let's uh, again I guess we can uh, talk about that later. But you're right. There's also the Coppa Italia final on Wednesday, 
Um, and we'll, we'll chat a oh, little bit about it later on. The Tim Vision Cup. Tim Vision <laughs> Cup Final. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that near, uh, maybe near the end Man, of the show. The names get even worse every year. Listen, Tim, City A Tim. Okay? Tim owns this City A. Yeah, last year was the Coca Cola Cup Final. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Listen, too. they need money. It's whatever exactly. paying them. <laughs> yeah. pa- Paul was a Pepsi guy, so he's like, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Paul took the Pepsi challenge. <laughs> Enough bullshit. Let's go. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, again, just to go through week 36 quickly, um, Napoli were facing Udinese in, at this point, again, I'm going to just impl- indicate whether or not it was a must-win game. It absolutely was a must-win game. All these games are must-win games for these teams uh, who are fighting for top four, but uh, Napoli end up destroying Udinese 5-1. to one. Uh, Zielinski in the 28th. Uh, Fabian Ruiz in the 31st, and he actually has our goal of the week. I guess midweek, but here it is. Swept out to Zielinski. Glorious pass. Cute and clever to Fabian Ruiz with a power. Now this really is a Napoli team to set pulses racing. What a finish. That is an incredible strike. He took a knock a couple of minutes ago, Fabian Ruiz, but he shook it off. And that is a dream strike. He's going for that top corner. He's aiming for the stanchion. The goalkeeper's got absolutely no chance. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful strike. Um, Again, just like the commentator said, uh, he kind of pulls it uh, left-footed strike with uh, into the far left corner. Beautiful shot curler and it goes in uh for our goal of the week midweek um okaka makes it 2-1 in the 40th uh but then in the second half napoli kind of run away with it and uh chucky lozano makes it 3-1 di lorenzo makes it 4-1 and insigne closes it out with a 90th minute 5-1 goal um moving on to the next uh set of games calgary faced fiorentina uh they and uh, a uh in a draw, 0-0. Atalanta faced Benevento, 2-0. Uh, Muriel in the 22nd, Pasolic in the 67th, um, and it ends 2-0 for Atalanta. Um, moving on here, Genoa faced Bologna. Genoa take a uh, 1-0 lead from Zappacosta, 13 minutes in, and then Scamacca makes it 2-0 with a penalty in the second half to end it 2-0. Uh, Juve plays Sassuolo in a must-win game. Uh, I should have emphasized that Atlanta also had a must-win game, and they won it, so good for them. Uh, Rabio made it 1-0 in the 28th. Ronaldo scored to make it 2-0 in the 45th. Uh, it was a very tight game after the 59th when Raspadori scores to make it 2-1, but then Dybala comes and scores to make it 3-1. Both of those guys have their 100th goal for the club, uh, which was celebrated, but... Um, you have to imagine that it wasn't celebrated as much as it could have been had this been a more successful season for them. Um, moving on, another must-win game, Torino-Milan for both teams. Uh, and Milan just is absolutely dominant the entire game. Uh, starting in the 19th minute, Hernandez scores. Teo scores to make it one nothing. Kessie scores a PK in the 26th to go 2 nothing into the second half. And then... A 50-minute strike from Brahim Diaz. Another goal from Teo, 62nd. Rebic with a hat-trick from the 67th minute to the 79th minute, and it ends 7-0. Uh, 
Um, massive, massive win for Milan, uh, who, again, are looking to maintain their pace to a top-four finish. Lazio and Parma next. Lazio win one nothing. Um, a goal from Immobile in the 90th. Inter and Roma. Brozovic in 11th. Vicino in the 20th. Uh, Mkhitary makes it 2-1, but then Lukaku closes it out in the 90th, 3-1. Sampdoria Spezia, 2-2. Uh, Pobaga scores in the, uh, the 15th to make it 1-0. Vere ties it in the 32nd. Another a brace from Pogba makes it 70, and the 73rd rather, makes it 2-1. And then Keita Balde makes it 2-2 um, in the 80th. And finally, Cortoni, Alice Rona. Unis makes it 1-0 almost immediately in the game. Then uh, Macias makes it 2-0 later on the game in the 75th. Uh, and Molina has an own goal um, to make it uh, 2-1 in the end for Cortone. Wow. I just got through – how many games is that? 12 games, 11 games? What is that? 10, 10 games? 10. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I need a break. Um, <laughs> but all those are important. Again, the must-win games were, were massive, and they ended up – happening going through Napoli won, Atalanta won, uh, won, Juventus won, and Milan won because, again, they need to keep pace with each other going into game week 37. Uh, and now what happened there? Well, Atalanta win 4-3 to on Saturday, uh, securing Champions League football for themselves with a win that did it, and now they're for sure in. They own all the tiebreakers, etc. They cannot go below fourth place at this point. Um, and yeah, they, they secure Champions League football for next season. So they're all very excited. But again, it was, uh, it, it almost looked like a romp early on by the f- first half. I think ended 3 nothing. Zapata made it 1 uh, nothing in the ninth minute. Malofsky in the 26th got 2 nothing, and then Gosens in the 44th. Um, but then Geno come back a little bit in the second half. Shomorodov makes it 3 1. Uh, Pasalic makes it 4 1. But then a Pandev PK and another goal from Shomorodov makes it 4 3. But uh, not enough in the end. Again, it was uh, way closer than it should have been, I think, for Atlanta. But they come away and they, they again, secure their place in that top four. Uh, so, Michael, just from, uh, for some stats so you can give you a break there. Oh, thank God. <clears throat> Uh, so Pandev, Pandev has seven goals and three assists for Genoa this season, and Gosens has eleven goals and six assists. Remember, as a left back for Atalanta. Great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to go into a huge discussion on this, but there was stuff on Twitter last week about you know this player is the highest scoring defender in Europe, whatever the case was. I don't remember who the player was or what league they were from, but I I, I don't know how. Guys who play in a three-five-two on the outside of that five can be classified as defenders, especially when it comes to counting goals. I just I don't think it's fair to those who play in a back four, because uh, those that are playing on the outside of a of a three-five-two have way more freedom and license to go forward than a traditional fullback does. So I, I don't know how you would classify them because you also can't compare them to wingers. So, anyways. It, might just me, me might be Nip-picking. me being picky, but yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, my two cents. No, I mean, it's a fair point. Just it's it, they're in like a weird kind of uh, box themselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's not they're not just one way or the other. Like the like the term wing back is literally winger and full and back. back. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, continue. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, let's, yeah, why don't we continue into the next game, which was another important game. 
uh, and that was Spezia taking on Torino. So what happened in that game? So this was uh, a delightful game to watch. Um, so it was, it was pretty much Spezia from the start. Uh, Sapinara had a sh- uh, shot off the post. About 30 seconds later, he receives the ball on the same side uh, and curls it uh, near post uh, to beat Sirigu, who had a touch on the ball. So uh, later on in the uh, 42nd minute, uh, Pobega gets stomped by Vovoda. Uh, and Spezia were, were awarded a uh, penalty kick, which was converted by Enzola. Uh, Salva kicked uh, Bremer as he was going down to ground and conceded a penalty, which was converted by Bellotti in the 55th minute, uh, which was his 13th goal in Syria. Enzola uh, put the contest away uh, when he finished off a Marquitza cross just outside the six-yard box in the uh, 74th minute, and then... Uh, Bremer was nearly sent off for a presumed elbow, uh, which was reviewed by VAR, and which, after the replay, showed that there was uh, no contact with uh, the Spezia defender's head, uh, or forward's head, I should say, and uh, he was only given a yellow card. Ehrlich added insult to injury by scoring the fourth goal after sneaking at the far post and to finish off a Farias cross. So uh, Spezia could have actually added a fifth goal after an Estevez free kick, which was pushed aside by Sirigu. And then the follow-up was also uh, denied from Sirigu from a Majore uh, rebound chance. So um, Torino conceded 11 goals in their last two games. Uh, Spezia broke a six-game winless streak to secure their survival in Serie A. Hey. Hey. Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, that uh, Milan game that we mentioned, 7 nothing, and now 4-1 here against Spezia does not look good for Torino. Does not bode well for um, their, I guess... Chances. Chances, yeah, going into... Uh, I think the game is on Tuesday mm-hmm. against Just Lazio. Yep. And then, uh, again, the finale, if they lose that game, uh, again... A big, massive game against Benevento to close with the season for survival at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll get we'll get into that we'll later. Get into that a little bit. Yeah, 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 fair. Okay, uh, well, moving on uh, the the match that everyone was looking at uh, from a neutral perspective, probably as well, because uh, I think a lot of people just want to see some failure on on uh, the part of Juventus, but um, Juve. Uh, play Internazionale in a game that uh, Inter have been preparing for for two weeks. <laughs> um, they've uh, the league is secured, but damn it, do they want to make sure that Juventus suffer as much as possible? And I can understand why. It's very it's very understandable. Uh, but this is a chance for Inter to kind of um, flex their muscles a little bit. You know, maybe uh, uh, sh- yeah, maybe. Peacock a little bit to show, you know, that they're the champions and they kind of earned their spot here. Um, and, and they have a chance to kind of kick Juventus out of uh, UCL football with a win. So it ends 3-2 for Juventus in highly contentious fashion. Um, Ronaldo scores a goal in the 24th, which should have, technically is a PK, but technically is not a PK. It's uh, effectively uh, Darmian pulls Chiellini down in the box. Ronaldo takes a PK. It's saved by Hennett and Danovic. Uh, but then Ronaldo's right there and sweeps it home to make it 1-0. Uh, Ten minutes later, Lukaku 
has a PK, and this one was a delete uh, foul on Lataro, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and yeah, he kind of like he clipped his uh, his ankle. Lataro falls to the ground, and then Lukaku makes a one-one. Um, and just before the half ends, Quadrado uh, makes a two-one with a shot that deflects uh, on top of Hendanovic's head, head <laughs> uh, with which is very. It was very funny to see if you can find the still online. Um, but uh, yeah, Quadrado makes a two-one. Uh, going into the second half, uh, and it, it kind of is a a dogfight going forward. Bentinker makes uh, a stupid mistake, a second yellow card foul on uh, fifty fifth, and UE are down to ten men for the the rest of the second half. Uh, and then eventually, it kind of they, maybe they're worn down. Not sure, but uh, Chiellini has an own goal that uh, is disallowed, but then uh, with VAR is allowed again uh, to to tie the game up in, in the 83rd minute. And it's looking pretty, pretty harrowing for Juventus. But, of course, you know, Fino e Lafine, uh, they keep going. Quadrado comes up the field, uh, is uh, just horrendously uh, tripped up by uh, Perisic <laughs> in the box, uh, deserve a penalty uh, in the 88th, gives uh, Juventus a Quadrado a brace and Juventus a 3-2 lead. Uh, and it ends that way. Two minutes later, Bozovic gets uh, his second yellow to make it a uh, a, a fair uh, fight for the last four minutes of, I guess, stoppage time. Uh, but it ends again. 3-2 Juventus. Juventus stay alive. Fino la fine. <laughs> Anybody have notes on this game at all? I'm not sure. I'll open it up to the fields. Okay, I, I say Julian goes first. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think, like, the first half, both penalties, even the Lotaro one, I thought was a little weak. Um, but it was kind of seen, I guess, an offset to the Chiellini one, which, again, I thought that was actually a penalty, but I know there were a lot of people who figured it could go either way because Chiellini, for being such a big, tall man, is on the ground a lot. Um, but, yeah, the second goal I mentioned early on, beginning of this year, Hendanovic is going to be a... Liability. A reason why Inter, yeah, he's going to be a liability, and I think Inter won the league in spite of him. Because, um, yeah, that, you need to save that. The ball is literally right by your head. I understand it was deflected. You maybe saw it late, but it's literally right at your head. Like, just stick up a hand and save. I don't get it. <laughs> well, he did. He stuck up both hands, and it went right through his hands <laughs> like a touchdown. Like, or like I just a don't field goal, rather. <laughs> um, but, yeah, then... The issue is when Benton Quirk gets sent off. Personally, I don't think that was worthy of a second yellow whatsoever. Um, he's from the side. I don't even think he had multiple fouls leading up to that. Lukaku, you can maybe argue, was promising position because he was running towards goal, but he was still a good, like, 30 yards out. There was another defender in his way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so he gets sent off, and then I think Calvarez for the rest of the game was trying to even it out a little bit. Because um, even before the tying goal, Latero scores a beautiful bicycle kick, but it gets called back because Chiellini again yelled and screamed and threw himself to the ground with beyond minimal contact. Yeah, so I, I'll just I'll just say, though, again, it's not that I, I believe um, Chesney is a fantastic goalie and that he would save it, of course, but... Yeah, he did. Uh, the whistle, the, yeah, the whistle went, and again, even if the acrobats uh, were there, it is for sure a. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was a absolutely going to go in every time. Like 
like he could have saved that for sure. And it, they just all yeah, stopped. So I'll you can't really. That. Yeah. I'll concede that. Um, and then, yeah, the, even the tying goal though, like Chiellini's clearly the one grabbing Lukaku. Lukaku's trying to like get him off of him. And then Calvarez again said foul on Lukaku on the goal. Only until. <laughs> no. Um, and then I also, this might be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist in me coming out. I kind of, it's funny how Chiellini set enough to get a yellow card and a fine, but not quite a red card. So I want to know where that line is. Because he argued with uh, Calvarese after that goal and was fined afterwards, but only given a yellow. That's just a little conspiracy theorist in me. Um, and then that Quadrado foul that's never a foul. He literally cuts back 6 11. He kicked Perisic in the calf and falls over. It's it was always similar. Zielinski actually had one against Udinese. Zielinski had something similar going up against Bacow. He cut into the box, tried to run by Bacow. Bacow couldn't go anywhere. He ran into him, and they waved play on. Because the defender literally can't do anything. He didn't make a challenge. He didn't scout a leg. He was just running. Gets kicked in the back of the calf, and Quadrata falls over. Okay. And the one time he didn't consult bar. That's Yes, that yes, that is true. That is that is true. Um, okay, so I will differ on Julian on various points. Uh, number one, uh, Darmian did pull Kaylee's jersey. Okay, so you saying that? Oh well, there wasn't enough to give the penalty. Well, he got caught. There's video replay of him tugging the jersey, and Kaylee just in Italian we call it furbo enough to go down. Okay, he was <laughs> yeah. he was ex- quote unquote experienced enough to go down. Yeah. Okay. That I agree down was a penalty. I did see. Yeah. I mean, I could see it going either way. You've seen that called and not called many times. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. So and and you know what? I, I I will concede that the Delict stomp was a penalty. It, it it's clear on the replay he stomped him. Okay. I mean, uh, even to say while um, the 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 line coming from the Italian media was well oh. You know, you, you can't use VAR as a um, Moviola. Moviola, which is a highlight package. Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, he if you look at it, he stomped Lutaro. I mean, that's that's a penalty. I'm like, okay, even as a Juventus fan, I'll admit it, that's a penalty. And I've seen that called before. You can't get angry because there's literally literal proof that Delec stomped him. Period. Now, um, just to point out where... Uh, I think we've discussed this multiple multiple times. When you turn your back on a shot, that's exactly what happened. I blame Erickson and not Hendanich for for that because Erickson was literally in Hendanich's line of sight. He turned his body. Okay, the ball deflected off his legs and went up, which fooled Hendanich because again he's getting older, doesn't have the reflex that he once was. So I blame Erickson more than Hendanich on that. Listen. For the red card, the Bentancourt red card, okay? Bentancourt was a fool for even challenging Lukaku from behind. People, you're on a yellow card, and you make a challenge from behind. Even though it wasn't from behind, I heard the arguments, it wasn't from behind. No, it was from behind. He made the, the ref or VAR look at it again, okay? And he's already on a yellow card. People, that is that is foolish. I blame Bentancourt, not the ref for that case, Okay. Uh, next, <laughs> Luka- okay. So uh, this is where I agree with Julian. There, uh, Lukaku and Chiellini were both holding on to each other. That should have played on. I don't think Vire should have intervened in that. I looked fifty-fifty. 
and then, as Mike said, the whistle already went, so that's why Lukaku managed to get that shot off. Uh, oh, wait, Lutaro, are you talking about Lutaro, you mean? Yeah, the, yes, yeah. yeah. The bike, okay. Who did I say? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. I said, yeah, Lutaro. Okay, now, the 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 the, the cherry on top was the Lutaro, uh, it was the Quadrado uh, PK. So, from the rest angle, all right, and I, I, I watched the video from where the ref was. The ref was not even close to the action, okay? Uh, Calvarezzi was on the opposite side of the penalty box, right? So th- just, just imagine, just imagine. So picture this, uh, picture this, um, this scenario. Ref on the other side of the box, players in between in the box, and then Quadrado Perisic on the opposite side of the box, okay? From that angle, when you look, if you look from the, the, the back angle replay, it looks that Perisic is sweeping Quadrado's leg from underneath him. Yes, and then I understand, yes, I understand from the goal line side, it looks like, I should say, Quadrado placed his foot on Perisic's leg. And this is where, as Julian said, VAR didn't intervene. So this is not Calvarez's fault. This is the VAR's fault for not telling Calvarez to go look at it. That's the error. Not Calvarez himself, because from where his angle looked like a penalty. Now, you can blame Calvarezio for not being in the right area, and he wasn't in the right area for the last game, and which is unfortunate. And it just shows that it probably, which, which will be his last game. I'm pretty sure it's going to be his last game ever as a professional referee because he reached the, uh, the retirement age. So to have that game as your last game, it is pretty, pretty disappointing. Uh, so I do feel bad for him. But uh, so, it, again... It just showed that he's not up to par anymore. He's he's and and he's washed he's, up. He's exactly he's washed up, and and of course he's he's gonna be forced to retire. So it's unfortunate, but hey, it happens. Uh, it happens. It's unfortunate that it had to be his last game. So, and of course the the Brozovic red card red card was pretty clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was was, it was a second was yellow every time. Yeah, a hundred percent. Uh, Chris, yeah, Anything I mean, Dad, no, not really. It, it's it was a shame that the refereeing was kind of the biggest talking points for such a big game. Like usually, you want you know the the twenty two players on the field to be the focal point. So it is a shame when the referees' deci- decisions are as big of a talking point. I mean, case in point, we're we're talking about it right now. I yeah, I think the quadrado pen was was bullshit, but. Um, I've come to expect that in big games for a particular <laughs> club. So, um, Milan, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, no, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, Milan. <laughs> um, okay, I, I think like this game, and, and I mean, I understand why people are all it, people are complaining about the refereeing, etc. I just don't understand the people who talk about Juventus influencing this refereeing like i i don't get it i really don't understand like they both suffered this entire game because of how like just poor the refereeing was yeah. so to tell me that juventus were the ones who are lying in the pocket just because they come away with the victory like that's not a fair argument and again this this is a, a team who you know the current establishment is upset with because they're trying to break away and form another a super league so why does it make sense that they're also helping them 
make sure that they're in Europe. It, it, it th- that argument does is uh, completely ignorant. It doesn't make any sense. So people are just choosing very uh, again. They're 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 being very opportune. Uh, op- what's the word I'm looking for? They're um, yeah, they're taking this opportunity as a means to, um, I guess, to find some more, uh, I guess, hatred for, hatred for Juventus for no reason, is what I'll say. Now, Michael, that's the purpose that's, yeah. purpose of being a tifosi. What? A tifoso. Of being a fan. Is a mm. fan of a certain club uh, hating another club because they always <laughs> win. <laughs> I don't think that's the the purpose. It's the purpose to hate other clubs. That's what I think. So so if you're a fan (laughs) of a certain club, you're going to hate your rival no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's the way it is with Italian Italian culture fans. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, honestly, Inter didn't deserve to win the game. It is what it is. Yeah, uh, like at, it, yeah, agreed. And, I hope and, they carry this over to the next year because at least then it'll be an, right, another right. exciting game. But if I look at this without all the stupidity, realistically, right. again, I, I understand Killini, the own goal is also a stupid one that went in. But outside of that, I see a Juventus one nothing victory without all the penalties, all that other shit. So I mean, it's the only one yeah. from open play is the Quadrado one, and yeah. uh, I guess the one which from... was still deflected. Yeah, which is still deflected, exactly. And, and those mistakes happen. It could have been a 1-1 yeah. at the end of the day, too. But, uh, yeah. Okay, that was uh, a big discussion point, obviously, for a reason. But uh, no more. We're not going to talk about either of these teams ever again. <laughs> uh, moving See you on. next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Roma, uh, Lazio. Okay. Lazio need to win to even have a chance at anything, and they don't. They lose 2 nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mkhitaryan makes it one nothing in the forty second. Pedro makes it uh, two nothing in seventy eighth. Cherby uh, with a red card, so he'll be out um, in the final game, anyways. But it uh, it doesn't matter again. Roma win uh, for I guess no reason other than to spite Lazio because Roma are nowhere clear, nowhere close to that uh, final European spot, and they're already out of it. So uh, that's just kind of uh, I guess maybe. Well, actually, they are in the final European spot for UEFA Conference League. Oh, yes, yes. Conference League. Yeah. That's the solo spot, bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Michael, if you will, uh, I have a couple of interesting stats. So this is um, Roma's third win in their last 10 games in all competitions. Just think about that. That's not very good. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so that's how important this win was for Roma, actually. Uh, and then Lazio have lost two of their last three games in Syria, which is why they're no, which they're why they're out of contention for the Champions League. Yeah, and they they were set up uh, not really well, but they were set up more so than some of the other teams to kind of come from come from behind and steal a, a, a spot because again they had that makeup game with Torino, which. Um, seemingly would go Lazio's way and probably will go Lazio's way. But uh, yeah, losing again to Roma um, is not, does not and did not do them any favors. Yeah. The, their last two games mean nothing. They can't move up. Exactly. Move down, so. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. Moving on here. So Fiorentina uh, and Napoli, and again, a massive game for Napoli as well. Um, they need to continue to at least keep pace with Juventus to make sure that they are, um, 
ahead of them because they're ahead of them by one point at this point uh, to make sure again, that they don't lose their spot in the top four. Uh, and they end up coming with a two nothing victory. So um, Insigne scores in the 56th. Drogowski actually has a red card in the 56th as well. Uh, and then in the 67th and own goal by Venuti makes it two nothing uh, again, a, a must win game for Napoli and they come away with three points. Good for them. So uh, the red card, uh, mm-hmm. Michael was actually mm-hmm. Dragoski on the bench and got sent off. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So the goal was the same as Ronaldo's. Actually, it was a PK, which is why I think. Right. Yeah. Um, Romani was complaining about partner. it. Yeah, Romani was running into the box. Milankovic had a hold of his jersey. The ball was kind of sending over their heads. Romani went to go cut back to go towards the ball, and Milankovic still hung on to his jersey. And then well, he went I mean, down. Romani also had a hold of Milinkovic as well, so it, it yeah. was the same. It was the same kind of situation with the uh, Kilini Lukaku. Uh, yeah, in, uh, I saw the highlights. The I agree. I think it was called because when Romani then went to cut back and go back towards the ball, Milinkovic didn't let go. So I think that's why it was right. called. Um, but yeah, no. Just as I mentioned off air briefly, I think with penalties, I know this is wishful thinking. I think they should implement a rule where if the PK is saved, the penalty taker cannot be the first guy to touch it. Because, realistically, the keeper dives, he makes a save, the ball bounces to the top of the 60-yard box. The PK, the penalty taker, has a wide-open net. Keeper's out of position. He's literally in the center of the net from the 60-yard box. It just seems like not only do you get one free shot at goal, you get two free shots at goal. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's just me with wishful thinking. I think it'd be... Actually, nice to see the players running into the box actually have to do something as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I don't think it would be the the worst rule change out of all the ones that have been proposed in the past couple of years. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's tough, obviously, but it's just yeah, no, like of the keepers made the save, but then it's like, oh well, now the guy has an open net from the six yard box. He's not going to miss that one. So, uh, Julian, um, might as well go further than that if we're going to change how, <laughs> how penalties are taken. Uh, I was discussing with a friend of the show, um, and he, he proposed that you remove penalty kicks uh, only for and, and, and use them only for clear-cut situations. So, for example, uh, a shot on goal that is blocked by a hand in the box, which would be a clear-cut situation, or when you're uh, one-on-one with a goalkeeper and the goalkeeper takes you out as well. So those types of situations would be, you know, clear-cut and um, relevant for a penalty to be taken. But let's take let's take the Quadrado uh, PK situation. You know, th- why would an, a foul, a presumptive foul, let's call it presumptive foul, on the edge of the box, nowhere close to a shot being taken, is given a free shot 18 yards out. Yeah. No, it's a good point. Because realistically, if he's two yards to the right, it's a free kick on the edge of the box. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it is, that's something to be, uh, to be taken a look. And, you know, I'm, I'm more and more uh, I'm starting to agree with uh, the friend of the show about, you know, removing, removing penalty kicks as well. And, and to just have it, uh, uh, you know, I, I know, I know another fan of the show is going to give me, going to give me uh, shit off air, but 
How many friends of the show do we have? Well, we, we have we have multiple. We have multiple, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna criticize me for bringing up the NHL, where in the sense that a PK, uh, penalty shot in hockey is when it's a clear cut opportunity, correct? Yeah, it's a clear exactly. breakaway. It's a clear breakaway. So it should be something similar in soccer. So I'm gonna do you one better. Mm-hmm. Okay, while we're changing the game, like uh, Julian is is implying here, he wants to change everything here. Um, why don't we implement MLS rules? <laughs> Old MLS rules. Old MLS rules. Yeah. Where from if, if they get the ball, I'm pretty sure at the center center line, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, it wasn't it, the, like the bottom of the circle, but anyways, was yeah. it, okay, yeah. effectively the same thing. And it's a breakaway, one on one with the goalkeeper. I guess one on zero, but uh, yeah, just one v one, man versus man with the goalkeeper for your penalty shot. What do we think of that? Is that Julian? Is that what you want in, in no, place? I don't because, think my listen, listen, if he listen, if he because if this guy shoots it and the goalie saves it, then it's then it's, it's blown dead. He doesn't get a second shot there. It's blown dead. No, I'm not saying it's blown dead. I'm saying he just can't be the first guy to touch the ball. He's almost in an offside position. But then, if you give the goalie too much of an opportunity, that at that point, then if the goalie also saves it, then he can't touch the ball. Then that's fair. Uh, but the keeper no. won't get to it. The keeper will dive and save it. The guy's running into the box will be the first one to get it. At so, least the guy's running into the box will have a job. The Handanovich one, though, he would have been there. He would have been the first one. If it wasn't Ronaldo, he would have been the first one there. Right? But, he, I mean, he, again, I would still rather the keeper get a first shot at it. He saved a free shot from 12 yards out. Yeah. I'd rather the keeper have a free shot at the rebound than another attacking player who just misses penalty you get a shot on a wide open net listen I, all i know is that you want old mls rules and i think it's <laughs> silly just hey, silly, but... it'd be entertaining <laughs> okay yeah i'll give you that much actually that's <laughs> that's it's something for sure um no I, it's it's not a bad honestly it's not a bad um suggestion because again you're right it, it changes uh it would definitely change the dynamic of, again, a, a missed PK and how important that is, right? Like, obviously, if you miss it, you need to have those people running in need to be doing it for purpose, right? Which yeah. is, is not often what you see. Um, okay, that's it for the Napoli-Fernatina game. Uh, again, Napoli follow suit of Juventus and make sure that they are at least keeping pace with them uh, with a one-point uh, advantage. Um which, again, leading into the next week, we'll, we'll see kind of where that plays out. But uh, the next game we're going to look at is Benevento and Crotone. Yes, so a must-win, well, basically a must-win game for Benevento, especially against last, actually second-last place, Crotone. Mm-hmm. Um, so they open up the scoring quite early through Lapadula. Uh, ball across into the box, head of my chest it down, Lapadula, one touch on the half volley, nice finish. Um, and then there was a couple chances here and there. I know Insigne hit the crossbar a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Um, Golomich actually got sent off in the 24th for Cotone, uh, for a last man foul at the top of the box. So kind of not really much going on for Cotone. Benevento, you think, would be basically on cruise control for this. But unfortunately, um... 93rd minute, Pedro Pereira kind of dribbles his way through a couple guys, plays it low across the box, and Simi's waiting for an easy tap-in from the 60-yard box. Simi. Um, 
Again, you'd think it's done there, but no. Uh, last, well, it's basically done. Last kick of the game, though. Um, balls crossed in. Glick gets a free volley again from the six-yard box, but hits it right at the keeper, who was Festa, not Cordaz for some reason. Um, and he hangs on to keep it at 1-1. So it's a terrible result for Benevento because they still sit last in that last relegation spot. Um, Crotone, again, they are in 19th, already relegated. But just a quick note on Simi, he's, I think, only the second African-born player to hit mm-hmm. 20 goals after Eto'o. Yep. So it's quite a fantastic season for him to hit 20 goals. I'm and then, curious to see where he ends up. Yeah. So he's one of only three uh, players in Syria uh, to have scored uh, three, uh, to have scored twenty plus goals and still be relegated. Who are the other two? Yeah. All right. So uh, Chris is going to start like hooting and hollering. Uh, so if we do count, <laughs> so if we do count Trezeguet in the two thousand and five and two thousand six season, we'll uh, count it with an asterisk. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and then I think it was uh, a player from Bari in the 55, 54, Bonucci? 55. No, no, no. Oh, it's, from, it's from the mid-50s. So the Bonucci? Only... <laughs> <laughs> so the only third, uh, so th- yeah, the only third player, third, third, yeah, so third player to have scored 20 goals uh, and still be relegated. Yeah, it's kind quite impressive. impressive. Yeah. yeah, quite impressive. Um, individual season for him. And then uh, following that, uh, the reason why Crotone did get relegated was they have conceded the most goals ever in Syria, which is 92. <laughs> that's a lot of goals. <laughs> like That's almost three goals per game. Just think about it. There's 38 games, 92, almost, yeah. about two and a half goals per game, which is god-awful. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Simi has uh, almost 50% of Crotone's goals this year. <laughs> He's got 20, they have 45. Amazing. I Ronaldo think that just... has 30, and Juventus have... Do, 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 73, okay, it's not... Yeah, not I was just going to say, I think that makes it harder for Crotone to sell him, because, I mean, you're yeah. going to be selling not only your best player, but like you said, a guy that's scoring 50% of your goals at the highest level, so... Yeah, but uh, that I'll, I'll guy, be, I was just going to say, I'll, I'll be curious to see how much they do eventually sell him for. Yeah. He's probably going to go to Lazio. You heard it here. <laughs> Lazio, look, Lazio looks for those types of bargain players, and I think he's one of the bargain players. I opinion. think Udinese. Yeah. I think. I think Spezia. <laughs> no, they already have Inzola, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Joey? Um, Inter. <laughs> Inter back the up to Lukaku? Lukaku? Hey, I'd take it, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure, we'll go with that. Inter's going to have no <laughs> money, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, he'll go from scoring 20 goals to two goals after being a vice Lukaku. <laughs> but winning is good at Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Um, okay, so that was uh, possibly curtains for Benevento, but we'll see going into the last weekend. Um, next up, we had Udinese against Sampdoria, and Sam comes away with a one nothing win from a uh, 88th minute PK from Fabio Quagliarella. 
Paul yeah. Rudd sat on. Do you have a sat on him? Yes. So he has twelve <laughs> goals. Twelve goals in Serie A this season. Besting his total from last season. Um, so Sam Doria actually secure a top half finish with this win, uh, which is um, considering that they finished fifteenth last season, which is pretty impressive. So again, Ranieri since he took over uh, saved Sam Doria from relegation last season. Uh, finished 15th at the end of that season, and then now we'll finish in the top half uh, this season. El Tinkerman. El Tinkerman. <laughs> so that's uh, the ageless Qualiela. He is 38. 38, and he's scoring 12 goals in Serie A. Uh, but it doesn't top... Uh, what did, didn't uh, Di Natale score or something crazy too in his uh, last I think season? He, didn't he score like 20? Yeah, something, something stupid. Anyways, the guy was good. Uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> um, Parma uh, faced off against Sassuolo. Uh, and that was a good game as well. Paul, you had that? Yeah, so uh, Bruno Alves actually has our goal of the week, Michael. Yes. Bruno Alves. So Sassuolo made a one nothing first um, from Locatelli Penn, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then, and then it was Bruno Alves. Yes, to make it 1-1 right here. Hernani it is. There's uh, Bruno Alves. What a goal from Bruno Alves on the volley. Perfectly struck. And it's an equaliser. What a goal from the centre-back. Acrobatic finish. Yeah, beautiful cross from the right side. Um, kind of catches the Sassuolo defense uh, a little bit of a little bit off guard, and, and Brunavis is there to be mid air uh, with a, a right footed karate kick, kind of uh, into for a looping shot uh, into the far right corner. Michael, would you classify this as a doink? It, you know what? I wouldn't, but it's doink esque. For sure, <laughs> I, I think a doink is like very much uh, a cookyayo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of like you know a little bit of like a, but this one was more of like a bloop. <laughs> what? I know exactly what you mean. Exactly, exactly. Uh, anyways, yeah. Then Paulo, what happened the rest of the game? So uh, Defrel uh, scored with a uh, quick tap in in the 62nd minute, and then Boga in the uh, 69th minute uh, to wrap it up. So actually, right. Parma have lost eight straight games, and then Sassuolo have only lost once in their last eight games. Good. Yeah. Uh, so again, they take their. There are three points. Um, the next game, again, another must, 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 massive must win game for Milan. Chris, what happens? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, because it was a must win, we, we all knew they weren't going to win. Um, but no, before. Yeah, goofa, goofa. I, <laughs> Goofango. Before no, I talk about Milan, uh, has Cagliari confirmed. A manager for next year? Is it Sim- Simplici or? I think they... I think the uh, I think he had an option. So if they do survive, he gets an extra year. He gets it. So yeah, I, I've probably I think this is maybe the third game I've seen since he took over. But I will say, I mean, he he obviously did a good enough job to to keep Cagliari up. They didn't get relegated, but 
I have to say, like, I mean, obviously I would have preferred a better result for Milan, but uh, they, Cagliari now, they were very organized and it wasn't like your typical team that's fighting to stay up and they just parked the bus and hope for a chance here and there. Um, they defended very well. Paulo, you mentioned uh, before we started recording that uh, you thought Godin had a good game and I would mm-hmm. agree, but uh, they do have quite a bit going forward. I mean, we know João Pedro um, can be lethal inside the 18 uh, and that midfield with, you know, Nangolan, uh, Nandez, and, um, uh, oh my God, help me out here. Alfred Duncan, Marie. right? Well, Marie, well Duncan yeah, Duncan and Marie in there, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, good midfield. So, anyways, I was overall impressed, and I was kind of, as the game was going on, saying, I think Galilee should give Semplici a chance to, to see what he can do next year. I think, um, you know, a 10th or 11th place finish is, is in the um, realm of possibility for them. So, uh, definitely kudos uh, to Galilee for, for turning things around. Now for uh, for Milan, um, the frustrating part for me is when Ibra is not in the lineup. Obviously, he's that big six five target forward, and you can play balls to him in the air, and he'll kind of bring them down. Um, and when Rebic is in there, some players are almost playing the same way as if Ibra is still in there. They're still trying to play these long balls in the air, these crosses after cross after cross. Um, so again, I don't know if it's Pioli not adjusting the tactical plan. Or if it's the players failing to recognize that the guy playing striker, the guy playing center forward is like eight inches shorter and you need to change the way you serve <laughs> the ball into him. So that was frustrating over the course of the game. Um, anyways, yeah, obviously disappointing. And their next game against Atalanta is going to uh, make or break. <laughs> what do they finish top four? Well, should anyways. So I, I just want to jump in here. Uh, Chris, you- uh, you said that uh, I do agree that well I, I said that Godin had a defensive masterclass. I mean, if you okay, so and you talked about how Galilee had chances. Their best chances came from Godin as well. Godin had two headers stopped by Donnarumma, and there were there were good saves. They were forced forced good saves. So I mean, if I think he had a nine point five performance, if he would have scored, it would have been a clean ten. Wow, that's high praise. Yeah, he, he did, uh, Donnarumma did, there was one off a corner, I, I remember uh, yeah. pretty vividly, where Donnarumma was basically full stretch to make that save. But yeah, um, yeah it, it was disappointing too, because, you know, uh, Cagliari was safe uh, when that game kicked off. Uh, but, I mean, kudos to them as well. They they didn't play like a team that was safe. They played like a team that was still fighting for survival. And, you know, M- Milan just, uh, it was in their hands, right? They win, they, they qualify mm-hmm. for top four. And, here we are. So, I mean, w- when you think about it, so as you, Chris, you said that by the time they kicked off, um, Cagliari were safe. But going into that, into the day, they weren't safe. So, you know, what's the point of changing your your mentality or your game plan just because you you were safe? I mean, it's it's a it's a testament to their professionalism. Even though they have Rajan Angolan, who Julian can attest to, uh, in his in his you know festivities we'll call it extracurricular activities <laughs> so i mean it, it is a, a definitely a testament to to how they prepared and and kudos on them to not laying down and uh putting an asterisk on the top four race yeah i agree and i i i wouldn't expect you know simply to change his tactics or anything but uh more so just the mentality of the players from you know like you said at the beginning of the day it was we're fighting for our lives to it being of a game, which really doesn't mean anything in reg- with regards to the table, but uh, they, they left it all out on the pitch. 
Remember when they re-signed Di Francesco when they were on like an eight-game losing streak? <laughs> yes. And then sacked him two <laughs> weeks later, if it even was two weeks. Yeah. I think it was like a two-year contract as well. Something, uh, something, something stupid right. like that. He's sitting yeah. at home now laughing. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you pull a salary and just not want to come back. Yeah, so just to recap, a trap game, if ever there was a trap game, I think we, we kind of called this last week. We were talking about it a little bit. Maybe not. Maybe off air, I don't remember. But well, no, we, we did mention it. Like did I we, said, yeah. yeah, so I said that Torino and Calgary were, could be banana skin games for Milan, and one of yeah. them was. Yeah. yeah, I do remember you saying but the term banana skin game, and I thought, this isn't Mario Kart, but you're right. You did say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, again, there we go, and... and it's it's almost for the better because now we have an exciting final match day. It could have been all set out now and people would have been laughing, having champagne next week. But now, no. Now they have to... Well, I mean, Inter will be. Inter will be and Inter have been for about three weeks now. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, Inter Merda. Um, <laughs> so the final uh, match from this match day, 37, was Hellas Verona and Bologna. Uh, and that game ends 2-2. Uh, a early, very early strike, second minute by uh, Faraoni makes it one nothing. Di Savelstri makes it uh, 1-1 in the 32nd. And then Kalinic makes it 2-1 before Palacio ties it in the 82nd to um, finish off uh, a 2-2 draw. Um, yeah, that was kind of... Both of these teams are, are pretty much uh, safe. They're Well, not pretty much. They are safe. It was kind of a... a meaningless i'd say game they're kind of battling for position now at this point but there's not really much going on in the 10 11 12 spot i think so it's uh it's kind of uh it was a kind of a nothing game but uh again you you got 38 games to play so that's one of them (laughs) (laughs) um Okay, and that's it for the 37th match day. Uh, did we cover everything we wanted to cover, guys? Because this has been a very long first half of the show, but had to be done. Well, to give to give Bologna some credit, Palacio scored five goals and have provided four assists uh, so far this season. Good. So what you're saying is there's going to be a Palacio masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, should we, uh, yeah, I mean, should we preview a little bit of next week or maybe we'll do that? We'll take a break first. Let's take a break. And Let's then, we'll, yeah, we'll take a quick break and then, uh, we come back. We'll, we'll finish off with some, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the previews. We'll get into some other discussion points. Um, but we have a lot of show left. Uh, so let's take 30 seconds and we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, okay, so in this next uh, part of the show, why don't we get into uh, fan favorite, Who Am I? Who am I? I don't know. Who am I? I don't know, Chris. All right, so last week's hints, starting with hint number one, this player began his youth career with Atalanta before switching to another Serie A club. Hint number two, he has made more than 45 appearances for two Serie A clubs. Hint number three, this midfielder has won the Supercoppa Italiana on one occasion. And the answer for last week was Manuel Locatelli. Yay. Yay. All right. And? 
What happened? Somebody got it? Somebody got it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As usual. Um, after multiple attempts. Yeah, multiple. Yeah, there was a couple Bonaventura and Montalivo um, guesses. So they, they were in the right vicinity with, with uh, former you know Milan midfielders. Um, so the question we had, I forget uh, his name. Paul, do you have it with you? Uh, yeah, Guy Powell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy Powell. So his question or essentially. Guy Powell. Could or it could be Guy. Could be Guy. Uh, his question, in a nutshell, it was uh, definitely one of the longer questions we've had. So thanks for putting the time into it. But in a nutshell, it was uh, a question asking us, um, if you're Juve, you're their board and, and whatnot, would you go back and do you go through with signing Ronaldo? Um, or uh, do you not sign him and allocate those funds to maybe keep Dybala and, or Higuain? Do you try and stick with Allegri? Do you, what, what do you do? So do you guys keep uh, Ronaldo or do you take a different direction? Knowing what you know now, of course, uh, maybe Paulo and Mike, you guys take the first stabs at it and then Julian and I can make fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, would you mind if I go first? Absolutely. I don't mind. Okay. So uh, as I previously stated on this pod and other podcasts. This episode or other? Other episodes. Okay. And other podcasts as well. Um, it was a mistake to sign Ronaldo in the first place. Sure, uh, I mean, uh, we've, we've also made fun of the fact that um, they tried to use the Ronaldo signing to uh, to get his jersey sales to pay for his contract, which I don't think necessarily worked out in that sense. And then uh, we also made fun of the fact that uh, because Juventus has become such a popular brand that uh, they have sold the most Easter eggs in Italy. So, again, <laughs> these are just hilarious facts that uh, we like to bring up on this podcast. And to, to go back to the actual question, because I went off on a tangent making fun of, of Juventus. Easter eggs. Easter eggs. <laughs> <laughs> that it was a mistake. Number one, it was a mistake because you already had the Bala. Uh, who was, you know, playing well at that point. Uh, and, and you also had Pugba as well because they sold Pugba and they brought in Ronaldo in that summer as well. So again, mistake. Mist- the correct tact should have been keep Pugba, pay him whatever. He- maybe he wanted to-, to leave, but if you didn't have already have the idea of signing Ronaldo in your brain, you probably would have just paid Ron- Pugba 30 million euros in the first fucking place. But anyway... But for me, it was it, it was the mistake of selling Pugba and then bringing in Ronaldo, who is uh, what thirty four at that time, uh, already you know in his mid thirties. What's the where is the resale value or the uh, the playing value of bringing in someone who's in his mid thirties and who will only be there at most four years when you had Pugba who could have stayed there for ten years. And it would have been the linchpin of your midfield for a decade. Anyway, so that's and and so he mentioned managers at that point. It was still Allegri, mm-hmm. and we must assume that Allegri, Allegri gave his blessing to that signing. So uh, it, it's it's I I would assume that you would also keep Allegri because he was winning winning tro- uh, trophies at that point. Right, Mike. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the whole Pogba point that you're talking about, Paulo, because I don't know that you, you mentioned that he probably wanted to leave anyways. Um, 
yeah, I think that's kind of a moot point. I don't think that like really would have uh, changed their direction because I don't think that he was staying anyways. I think it's very easy to look back on it and say, yes, like this is, uh, this is a poor decision based on X, Y, and Z. Um, at the end of the day, I think that if we're going back and doing it again, I like going back, knowing what we know now, you make different decisions. I think you need to make sure that you're building a team around having Ronaldo in your squad. Like you can't go out and get again, or make sure that Matuidi is your um, feeding midfielder. You know, like there's a lot of mistakes outside of bringing Ronaldo in um, that caused whatever situation you find yourselves in. If it's a negative situation, I think that the actual decision to bring Ronaldo in, I think is still a great business move. And I, because of jerseys and Easter eggs, because yeah, yeah. Jerseys and Easter eggs one. Um, No, I, I just think again, there's, there's other mistakes. I don't think Ronaldo coming in is the biggest mistake. I think you needed to find either a manager who had the proper ideas on how to build that team around getting uh, a talisman like Ronaldo on, you know, the final, you know, final act of his career, who's looking to win, you know, and finish off his career in style uh, with bringing a championship to a team that, you know, hasn't been able to over the last couple, over the last decade. Um, Again, I think you need to find a manager who was able to do that. Allegri obviously wasn't. That's why they moved on from him. But again, you needed to find someone who was going to take the next step and they couldn't. Um, but that also was pending on a lot of a lot of mistakes that you made in terms of signing certain old, older uh, players like Kadira, etc. So I think, and the, one of the questions was about uh, Higuain, whether you would pay Higuain again. Again, I think that is a another... Uh, tough, I think, thing to look back on because again, you he, he was never going to be the same player when you bought him uh, like three or four years before that. So there's no point in paying him outside of you know instead of bringing Ronaldo in, you're going to pay uh, Higuain. That, that doesn't make any sense. You need to if you're not going to bring Ronaldo in, you have to invest that 320 million, whatever it was, etc. You invest that in. Uh, building the team, I guess, that's going to, again, like Paulo said, make Dybala uh, that most important player on the pitch every game in, game out. Because you had that person to build around. That's what I would say. All right, Julian? Um, I mean, hindsight, obviously, 2020. I think you have to deem it a failure, right? He was brought in specifically to win the Champions League, which they didn't. And now you look and COVID, I mean, nobody expected COVID, but with COVID came tremendous financial issues for many clubs. Um, and now how do you justify the salary compared to every single one of your players, right? You can't. So, yeah, exactly. I think at this point, I think it was worth the gamble. I think that you have to admit that. I think it was worth the gamble to try and, take the team to the next level but i think ultimately it was you have to say at this point it was failed so yeah so i can i can can agree and disagree with uh points from all three of you i i agree with mike that i guess from a, a business perspective 
it was a good decision. Obviously, he's a, a global brand, Ronaldo. Um, I think he's got the most Instagram followers out of anybody, oh, yeah. not, not just athletes, right? Yeah, um, just in the world. In the world, yeah. So obviously, there's a you know global appeal there. Uh, but yeah, from from a sporting um, perspective, like you guys said, you know, he was brought in to win the Champions League. I think it's wishful thinking thinking that you can bring one player in mm. and that one player is going to help you win the most difficult tournament in, in European football being champions league. So I, I think that the money they've spent on Ronaldo um, with regards to his transfer fee and his wages could have easily been invested in two or three other world-class players. And maybe that is keeping Pogba and bringing in, you know, a Chiesa a type player before Chiesa as in three years ago, uh, to build around Dybala, as Paulo mentioned. So um, I can see how you would want to take the risk at the time. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. And, you know, if Juve had won the Champions League last year, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But, but uh, and the, the thing is, too, and I, again, I can't stress this enough. Ronaldo was Ronaldo. He, he, you got what you paid for. You got Ronaldo. The issue is you didn't have anything else besides Ronaldo. So you can't blame him or the fact that you got him necessarily unless again that money literally tied you into only buying one player for three years you just didn't they didn't have any uh foresight to say hey we also need these other positions they bought delict and that's another big transfer that they made but again that's Mm -hmm. that's really the only other i think massive move that really took ate a lot of money but yeah. again, R- Ronaldo scoring thirty whatever goals last year and twenty nine this year, like that's a lot of goals. That's that's a significant impact from any player. It is, and I and I, I wasn't trying to take away from his production. Um, at the same time, though, uh, you know he's scoring twenty five goals a season with Juve. So you say, okay, fantastic. But uh, what's happened to DiBala since he's been there? Right. I mean, I feel like every year the conversation is who is DiBala going to next? Um, DiBala has been on the bench for X number of games, so. Again, did, did you get production out of him? Yes. Is it worth the $300 million they'll have sunk into him by the time this is all done? I don't think so. Um, but again, I think their failure to sign him and bring in, like you said, Mike, the other pieces, that's where the failure is. So I uh, six, six of one, half a dozen of another, I guess. Right. But again, I, I think the money that they've spent on him when this is all said and done could have been invested in, like I said, two or three world-class players, whether the late 20s, early 30s, versus pouring it all into one 33-year-old and hoping him alone can carry you to a Champions League final. Uh, Chris, you mentioned two or three players. It should have been two or three midfielders. Uh, Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, put that money wherever you want. I I agree midfield would definitely be their biggest weak point right now, but uh, spend that money wherever you want. Again, that could have, the money could have been split up between more players. Uh, that's my my final point. Uh, and and you're definitely right that you know you could have spent uh, ten million euros per season on, as you said, three world class players for ten million euros each with the same, which would be the same amount of salary that you're currently paying Ronaldo. And and that's what that's what frustrates me because. That type of investment would have guaranteed another decade of success. Regardless if it would have been in Champions League or, or Syria, 
it, it, it still would have been a decade of, of success by spending uh, 30 million uh, euros in salary on three, in my opinion, should be mid, it should have been midfielders from three years ago. Instead, you sign Rabio. Uh, uh, listen, I, I've been praising Ramsey because I always thought he was a talent, uh, but Ramsey, uh, Kadira, Matuidi, all these players were signed on free transfers because they pissed away their money on Ronaldo. Just think about that. So you 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 destroy your midfielder for the sake of signing an attacker, uh, a striker, who yet sure he he he's been scoring uh, twenty goals plus every season that he's been at Juventus. But as we saw in our last segment, twenty goals plus doesn't guarantee you success every season. Yeah, which, I think. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Finish. Your which which success is Champions League in terms of Juventus. Juventus's case because they're winning Syria every year. Um, and one more point, Chris, before you, before you take over, is that, and Julian will probably agree with this when I say this, is that Morota was actually against signing Ronaldo. And because of that, he left, which gave Inter two years to build a, a team that knocked off Juventus from their perch. So the my last point, and uh, I mean, this could be another conversation mm-hmm. on its own, but you could argue that Juve signing Ronaldo essentially just kind of put a, a Band-Aid over the problems that they already had at the club. So it was you know, that sign, you know, the highest, you know, one of the highest profile players in the world. He's going to score a lot of goals for us and he'll win us some games. But um, it took Juve's attention away from the, the problems they really had, which like you said, was depth in midfield and, you know, an aging roster and so on and so forth. So, uh, again, it was maybe a short-term solution but uh, and failing to recognize how to solve the, the problem in the long run. Uh, again, you could go on and on. Yeah, go ahead. And the fault lays squarely at the feet of Fabio Paratici. Yes. <laughs> there's no other There's no other explanation. He is responsible, and, and that's why I put Agnelli, uh, uh, Andrea Agnelli in that category because he okayed all of these decisions. All right. Well, I mean, like I said, we could we could easily go on for uh, yeah. you know another oh. forty five minutes, but uh, I thought that was a good discussion. So thank you, uh, whether it's Guy or Guy, to be determined. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, maybe he's from Quebec. Uh, it's Guy, but <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay, well, great. That's uh, a great discussion. Um, why don't we do the next set of hints for our listeners, uh, and then we'll take another break. All right. So, listeners, hint number one for this week. This non-European has only played for one club in Serie A. Hint number two, he has over 100 appearances for that club and over 40 goals. And then hint number three, he made two substitute appearances in the 2018 World Cup. So again, first person to uh, correctly answer on our Twitter post um, gets a chance to ask us a Serie A or Calcio-related question, which we'll discuss on the next episode. All right. Sweet. Thank you, Chris. Uh, okay, well, with that, why don't we take a break uh, and we come back. We've got a lot more discussion that we'll come packed into possibly just 20 minutes. Let's try and do it. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be right back. 
Take it away, Paulo. <laughs> no. Boo. Take it away, Paulo. <laughs> All right. Boo. Boo, indeed. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Paulo refuses to sing Barbie Girl, even though he requested it off, off air. It was requested by Paulo. Yeah, he refuses but... to sing this banger of a song. Oh, God damn it, Paulo. Okay, uh, we have to uh, get through quite a bit of stuff here, so let's uh, let's just do that. Yeah, enough um, enough cocking around, eh? Hey, 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 watch your language. This is a PG you, show. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Nobody told me that. <laughs> <laughs> you cluck. Cluck's not a swear word, so that's fine. Um, okay, what are we doing here? We're going to do the... Uh, uh, just a little bit of a preview, I think, for uh, some important things that are coming up this week. So, Paulo, why don't you start off with uh, Wednesday's matchup? The, well, first of all, there's Tuesday as we uh, uh, okay, brought up. Tuesday we uh, kind of brought it up already. Yeah, we'll so just, last two, I guess, last briefly. Two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so why is that important? Well, yeah. essentially, Torino need a point to uh, survive um, going into the final match. If they don't pick up at least one point against Lazio, it is a... Um, winner-take-all um, match against Benevento on Sunday. Right. Yeah. In the final match day, and that, uh, yeah, could prove very disastrous for them, right, if they exactly. don't... Uh... If they don't win. Yeah. Uh, so, on Wednesday, it is actually the Copa Italia final, or the so-called Tim Vision Cup final. Um, so, again... Atlanta could be in line for their first uh, major trophy uh, in at least 60 years. Um, it's also important for Juventus to show that they're still able uh, to win trophies, regardless of the fact that they failed to win uh, Serie A this season. And it's also important for Pirlo, because I, I believe that he's playing for his job, in my opinion. Uh, playing? He might as well. <laughs> well, the coaching for his job, actually. Um, so I, I think if he fails to win this game, uh, he will be fu- he will be sacked. He removed from his position, and, and again, it, it's it, it also feels kind of like a if if Atlanta would win, it's kind of like a passing of the guard. You know, um, Gasparini and Bangsbo. Jens Bangsville, Professor Jens Bangsville, uh, were uh, former Juventus. Uh, well, Gasparini was a former Juventus player as well, and also a former youth manager at Juventus. And Bangsville was. Uh, so is Pirlo. The... <laughs> <And> so... <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and Bangsville was the former. Uh, we'll call we'll say fitness coach uh, at Juventus as well. And uh, Inter fans listening will obviously uh, recognize or remember. The fact that uh, these these two, or Bangsbo specifically, was involved in a so-called doping scandal back in the, I want to say, early 2000s, 2003 or something like that. I think that's what yeah, I four maybe. I don't remember yeah. exactly the year. Yeah. So again, it 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 just feels um, kind of a transition game for for both teams, in my opinion. Yeah, it could be like a final again. Uh, a final farewell big turn or big uh, trophy, I guess for, you know, 
Chiellini and Bonucci kind of old guard for Juventus. Well, meanwhile, you're right. It, it could be something special for Atlanta who um, have, uh, like you said, it, it's going to be their first uh, major trophy in the sense that it's uh, not a Serie B title or a Serie C title, et cetera. In how, uh, what, what was the it's, duration? It's almost, that- I think it was 63. They won, uh, Serie, they won, sorry, Coppa Italia. And then they, of course, got promoted from Serie B to Serie A in 2010-11. Right. So. right. Yeah. So it's been so a while, it, for sure. Yeah, so again, it, it just kind of goes to the importance of for them and, and why they might want to um, field a pretty strong team and obviously win because it's, it's a final. But uh, I think this, kind of bleeding into our talk for uh, the last match day, this is, kind of bodes well, I think, for... Uh, Milan, because I feel like again midweek here, it's they might get a tired Atlanta who are coming off a game where, uh, you know, it's important for them to win this game, whereas they've already secured basically their spot otherwise for Europe next year. Going yeah, to the final match day. I was just going to bring that up, so kind of rewinding back to the Coppa Italia match. Anyways, I think there's a, I mean, it's splitting hairs here, but a small advantage for Atalanta for the reasons you just mentioned, Mike, in that. They've already qualified for Champions League next year, so uh, Gasparini and you know and the squad they don't have to look towards the weekend. They can literally just focus on this one midweek match, um, knowing that whatever happens on the weekend doesn't really matter. I know they would love to finish second. I'm sure their fans would love to finish second, but uh, whereas if Juve on on the contrary, sorry, uh, not only do they have a cup final to worry about on Wednesday, uh, but they also have you know, a, a, a loser or winner go home match on the weekend. So while Pirlo and the squad are focused on Wednesday, I'm sure they do have to kind of keep um, one foot in the door uh, towards the weekend. So mentally, I think there's an advantage there for Atalanta in the Coppa Italia final. Uh, and then I think that translates into an advantage for Milan, a slight advantage right? Uh, come the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I will say this though, tactically what looks like it's going to happen, uh, which is again, very odd, in my opinion, uh, I don't. I'm not sure why Pirlo has decided to do this again throughout the year, but it looks like DiBala might end up starting this Coppa Italia final, um, where I think he should have been starting in the league. You know, you had the reigning MVP of the league, and you're not starting in most games when he's healthy. But in any case, looks like this is where that's going to play in, where they at least have a little bit of depth, um, and they can, you know, shake up that uh, that roster and, and save some for the weekend. Uh, but again, it'll, we'll see really what ends up happening in terms of, you know, who uh, who does start and and who starts with DiBala if it is in fact DiBala starting because that will probably dictate a lot of how that game goes. Uh, I'm definitely not surprised that that um, it is the case that he would start. The uh, ball is a perfect player for a, a one off one off type of game, which is the Coppa Italia final, and. And you need that type of flash and, and creativity, which is something that he provided. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I'm surprised that he's starting. I, I'm just surprised that, again, this is the, the, the path that Pirlo chose in terms of, you know, even this past weekend in, in a, in a must-win game against Inter Milan, Dybala wasn't starting, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, I would... 
I, I would agree. I, I was surprised Dybala didn't start on, on the weekend. But mm-hmm. I think, especially for a team like Atalanta, with the way they play, and we know they like to press high, and they, they make life very difficult for you. There's a limited limited amount of space. I agree with Paulo. I think Dybala is a, a type of player who who can take advantage of the little space he is going to have. So uh, I wouldn't... Uh, sorry. Not surprised that he's getting the start. Um and I hope he doesn't start on the weekend because I think that's the more important match with regards to <laughs> how it concerns Milan. Yes. Quite. Julian. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be an interesting match. Obviously, both teams want to win a trophy. But then, yeah, as you guys have all mentioned, Juve obviously needs to make Champions League. I think that's more important than the Copa Italia, personally. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they line up. Besides my obvious biases, I'd like to see an Atlanta win, just because, as you mentioned before, they haven't won anything since the 60s. So it'd be a nice little uh, cap off on their season. Yeah, and again, it's it's almost like a reward for just their... Um, likability almost right over the last like five seasons probably where you know you finally find a, a team that's willing to play the right way in Europe uh, and they have moderate success in there it's not that they you know completely uh, couldn't you know were just you know what I mean like it, it was it's again it's it's almost like a reward for a team that uh, is playing the right way I agree I think too, and I know the Coppa Italia prize money isn't, you know, substantial, but I'm hoping at some point they start to invest, you know, not significant amount of money in the in the transfer window, but more than they have been to really take that step to trying to put themselves in the best position possible so that they can finish top four year after year. Um, I know they're a smaller club and they're probably, you know, over the moon with the, the prize money that's coming in recently. But I think at some point, the bigger clubs that continue to spend more money, i.e., you know, Milan, Napoli, uh, Roma, Lazio, I think they'll start to catch up. But um, until then, good for them. But I would personally like to see them spend a bit more money on transfers uh, to try and secure that top four spot year after year. Yeah, agreed. And I use the, sorry, I use the term secure loosely. I know nothing's guaranteed, but... Yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, okay, well, uh, again, so that's the Copa. And now looking forward, again, we already kind of did a little bit, but to um, next, uh, the, the final match day, rather, of, of the Serie A schedule. Um, so we talked about how, you know, obviously they're all must-win games. Milan, we already kind of talked about saying that this Milan-Atlanta game is going to be so... Um, it should be a tightly contested game uh, because of the reasons that you stated. But again, maybe, maybe there is an advantage of Milan. My question is, again, we all already know you may need to win against Bologna. What do you, do we think that that is going to be again, a likely um, result for them? Are they going to get that win? And will it all be for naught? Cause will Napoli end up winning as well? And Milan will, will find that, that, that point or whatever they need. Oh, I Bologna aren't you know a defensively strong team, 
So I, I, I can see, you know, Juve scoring a goal or two. Now, can can Bologna equal that? I, you know, time will tell. Um, I have a gut feeling Napoli is going to draw on the weekend. And I hope I'm wrong because I, I do want, you know, Milan and Napoli to finish top four. Uh, just a gut feeling I have with, with Napoli drawing. So we'll see. And then with Milan, again, there's that, psychological potentially a, a small fitness advantage because Atalanta's playing midweek but mm-hmm. you know if Atalanta was was having coming off a, a full week's rest I would pick Atalanta to beat Milan again I just I don't have too much faith in Pioli to come up with a plan um to beat Atalanta especially against you know Gasparini who's shown you know Serie A that he could come up with a plan to beat almost anybody you know mm-hmm. including Liverpool so yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm I'm predicting a Napoli draw, a Juve win, and a Milan draw. If I had to say so, something right now. So you're you're predicting that? Uh, what's gonna What's the final four? Then you're gonna say that Na- Napoli will lose out. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what are the uh, scenarios here? So again, if uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit off air, but if things go this way for you know. Milan, for example, they'll, they're through, uh, et cetera. So what does that look like? So, uh, I'm pretty sure. So if, like you said, Mike, if Juve has to win uh, to finish top four. So a draw or a loss, obviously they're eliminated. Um, and in that case, Milan and Napoli, um, it doesn't matter what happens if Juve loses. But um, if Milan and Napoli win, um, they stay in the top four. Um, if Milan and Napoli both draw, and Juve wins, uh, I, I believe Napoli still falls out of the top four because Milan has a tiebreaker over Napoli. Uh, but I think we said Napoli has a tiebreaker over Juve. Is that correct? Yeah. So what we determined was they are equal on the first tiebreaker, which is the head-to-head. They would both have, they would be a 2-2, basically, uh, result. Uh, and then the next tiebreaker, I think Julian was the differential, the goal differential. Yeah. And that but was significantly over the whole Napoli. season, though, over right? the whole season, not just yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. And that's significantly in Napoli's favor. They're 45 right now. They're 45 compared to Juve's like 37 or something like that. Okay. So then in that case, like you said, not yeah, Napoli would finish top four. Yes, exactly. So, uh, in the event that Juve gets a point, um, Napoli lose, but they equal on points. Napoli would go through over Juventus. But if it's uh, a tie between Napoli and Milan, like you said, Milan holds that tiebreaker over Napoli. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and then of course, I mean, uh, we talked about it a bit before, but the battle for the the relegation battle, I guess, which will. We might know more, you know, this time tomorrow because Tuesday is the Lazio-Torino game. So I think Paulo mentioned it, but if Torino get a point or more, then they are safe. If not, then they play Benevento on match day 38 and whoever wins that stays up. Right. So, uh, Chris, Mm -hmm. uh, you were talking about um, the physical advantage that... Milan would have over Atalanta because Atalanta would play in the Coppa Italia final on the Wednesday. Uh, so there was a bunch of information making the rounds on Twitter 
And also, uh, we discussed this uh, off air, was that the difference between uh, Atlanta, say, let's say, finishing fourth and finishing second is at least 10 million euros um, in, in extra prize money for, for the upcoming season. And if that's not extra motivation for those Atlanta players, because they would, uh, assumingly, they would get uh, a bigger uh, uh, prize money in the sense that uh, if they would finish second, they would get a bigger piece of the pie. I, I mean, there's no reason to lay down and allow Milan win just because of the fact that they played at midweek. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think that that excuse is going to fly, and I think that it's going to be the same situation where, uh, as they face against Cali, they're going to come up against a very professional team, and I think they're going. They're, I think Milan's going to struggle because without without Ibrahimovic on the field, they seem like a team, as you mentioned during the during the Milan Cali segment, that a, a team that is too used to playing with it, with playing with Ibrahimovic on the field. Yeah, I, I I don't know if maybe that's just how it came across, but I, I wasn't implying that Atalanta was going to lay down by saying there was a, a physical advantage for Milan there. I, I more so meant that they are going to be fatigued. You know, they're you know starting eleven and a couple the few subs that come on, they're going to be fatigued and not at a hundred percent. So that that's what I meant by physical advantage. I of course I, I expect them to go out and try and and win the game. But I think if the you know the seventy fifth to ninetieth minute when the legs get get heavy, mm-hmm. that's where I think that the physical advantage comes in. Um, now with with regards to Ibra not being there, you're right, and I, I did say how Milan was kind of they were playing like he was still in the lineup. I think, no, I think I know that these types of games, yes, Atalanta press high, but Ibra as as talented as he is and as potent as he is in the box. At the end of the day, he is very lazy. Now, granted, he's 39 and he has to pick his moments, but um, Rebic is much more mobile. He's more active. There's more movement for him, and I think that's, that will help Milan in this type of game versus having somebody who is stationary. So, uh, again, time will tell how that works out, but I think these types of games were better off with a Rebic slash Leal than an Ibra. Yeah, true. Uh, okay, do we have any more notes on this before we move on? Um, just quickly, I wanted to mention for the relegation race, uh, mm-hmm. the first game, they had tied 2-2. So, let's right. say Torino lose to um, Lazio tomorrow, then all Benevento has to do is win. Right, and they stay in and Torino's out. Well, hey, yeah. to Torino's, uh, uh, for them as well, all they need to do is win. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but... Yeah. Um, okay. So again, just to uh, I guess recap, the way that the top four shake out, Inter are locked obviously first. Uh, Atlanta are not locked in second, but they are at least uh, locked top four. So there's only two positions with three teams still fighting. So a Juventus loss will result in Milan and Napoli securing their positions. Um, a Juventus win and a Milan uh, loss will push, uh, I guess, Milan out. 
at that point, depending on no, actually depending on what Napoli does. If Napoli also loses, yep. then Napoli is out and Milan is in. Now, what Napoli effectively need to do is uh, is win their game uh, to secure themselves. If if um, again any tiebreaker between Milan uh, Milan and Napoli, uh, Milan has any tiebreaker between Juventus and Milan, uh, Milan has and any tiebreaker between Juventus and Napoli. Um, that goes to, we Napoli. said, Napoli. Yeah. So there it is. That's the situation as we see it. Uh, it's going to be hopefully an eventful uh, final day, and they're all playing at the same time. So you have uh, even the relegation battle is all uh, the late game on Sunday, I believe. So it's uh, it's going to be, we're going to be finishing off the season in style, looks like. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's it for, uh, I guess, that chat. So why don't we, uh, what do we have still to wrap up, guys? Uh, Paul, do you have your study B minute? Yes, I do, actually. So there was two games today. Uh, there was a Cittadella Monza, which was the first leg uh, for for the playoff semifinal. So there was, so a Cittadella beat Monza 3 nothing, And then the second game of the day was Venezia Lecce, which Venezia won one nothing. So the second leg of these games will be played on May 20th and the final will be played on May 23rd and May 27th. Great. Yes. So we'll find out who's uh who are the next Spezia. Yes, actually yeah, that is correct. <laughs> yeah. Salernitana. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, so, well, 30 30 up. Okay. Yeah, so yes, they already they they, um, they were promoted in second place. There you go. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, let's uh, wrap up the show then. Chris, do you have a final? Uh, who am I for uh, your 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 good old buddy pals here to uh, to chat over for? <laughs> and and what we're gonna do is we're gonna be let's implement these rules now. It'll be a five minute max time allowance, but we're allowed to ask. Uh, so you'll give us your hints. And you'll determine whether the questions that we're asking you are okay to be asked. And you can also just give us your bonus hint um, if yep. we if we want it. Uh, but again, it, it'll just because again we're going to have time constraints. Let's kind of make it a little bit of uh, easier for both of us. I think to to try and either um, get it or or stop us from getting it. So is that fair? Yeah, I'll uh, basically once I read through the hints, I will start a timer and then I'll I'll give you guys a, a countdown as we Perfect. work through it. Perfect. All right, you guys set? Yes. Yes. All right, one second, just bring them up here. All right, so hint number one: he has been managed by Maurizio Sari, Luigi Di Biagio, and Max Allegri. Hint number two: he has played. For three Serie A clubs, making more than 30 appearances for two of those three clubs. And hint number three, on one occasion, this Italian player, who is not a striker, was named to the Serie A team of the year. So I'll go through them again. Hint number one, he has been managed by Maurizio Sari, Luigi Di Biagio, and Max Allegri. He has played three, played for three Serie A clubs, excuse me, making more than 30 appearances for two of those three clubs. And the final hint, on one occasion, this Italian player, who is not a striker, was named to the Serie A team of the year. 
And I'll start your timer. Okay, it's Rugani. <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think? Okay, so when I think of those three coaches, so Sari coached Empoli. Yeah, that's why Rugani. Maybe. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is it Rugani? No. <laughs> um, Where did DiBiagio coach? So I think because he was the U21s, Italy. That's my guess, but... But well, it's it's also Spal, and I I I have, I want to say Empoli. I'm just that, that's just that's just me coming off the top of my head, but I think I'm wrong. Okay, what Italian would be at Empoli then? Not striker. So it says not striker and team of the year. For some reason, I'm thinking Di Lorenzo. Hmm. Okay, we can ask but Chris. But would he ever been here. coached by Allegri, though? Right. That's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't right. know. And has he been on three teams? Um, and thirty matches for two of them. It, so hold on. Yeah, it, for Empoli so the, and Napoli, he'd hit thirty matches for both. Yeah, but is are are all three teams in Syria? Yeah, so he's played for three Serie A clubs, and he's okay. made more than thirty appearances for two of those three clubs. Mm, that I don't think it's, I don't think it's Di Lorenzo because I don't think he was in Serie A before the stint with Empoli. Okay, so what questions do we want to ask Chris? Do we want to get his bonus in? Yeah, let's get the bonus in, and then we'll ask questions. Okay. Okay. Bonus hint: He has also been named Serie B Player of the Year. Hmm. Player of the year. Not even just team of the year. Player of the year. Yeah. Wow. Three minutes left, by the way. Oh, God. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> okay, so he's a defender or a midfielder? Yes. And, and he's or a goalkeeper. Oh. Oh. Hmm. <sighs> Is he a position player? Sorry, oh, you're you're asking me that question? Or? Yeah. Yes, he is a position player. You mean, you mean an outfielder, like it? Yes, he's okay. he's not a goalkeeper. Okay. Know. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it's either a defender or a midfielder. So again, sorry. I mean, it could uh, even have been Juventus if we're thinking of some Juventus guy somehow. Because Allegri, Sari, and then U twenty ones with Dibacio. Oh, did he play with DiBaggio in Serie A or outside of that? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, oh, come on. Better, like, forget that one. <laughs> okay, let's get names here, Paulo. What are we thinking? What are possibilities? Where did Two minutes okay. left. I can't be Locatelli again. <laughs> <laughs> um, could it actually be Grugani, though? I was he City B player of the year? Yeah, he was. He was? Um, well, he, remember, he won with, with um, Empoli. With Empoli. But was he player of the year? I don't know. I don't know about that. But he did. He was with Sari. Uh, I don't know about Di Piaggio, but he obviously with Allegri. Right. And he has he has had more than uh, – <laughs> 30 apps for, for, for two of the three clubs. That he, so, yeah. 
Who else has he played for in City? I, I guess now, currently, he's on someone else, right? He's uh, yeah, where? He's at, he's at Cagliari. Cagliari. Which okay. is, which is he wouldn't the have third club. Chances, though. Yeah, exactly. Third club. Yeah, but, but two of three, right? Yes, yeah. two of the three, yes. Okay, Julian, what do you think? I mean, it makes sense. I have nobody else, honestly. Oh, God damn us. <laughs> ah, 40 seconds. All right, we'll just say Rugani. Final answer? Yeah. All right. Mike, you got it right five <laughs> seconds in. It's a new <laughs> Who Am I record. <laughs> oh, <Jesus> Christ. <laughs> Oh, oh man! I was hoping you guys were gonna talk yourselves out of it. <laughs> Jesus, good work, Michael. I I don't know how I do it. <laughs> I'm, not do, I'm not doing any more like Juve or Inter players, either of the former, because you, you guys just pick up on it too quickly. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. There's your timer. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I didn't need it. We need five minutes. We need five seconds. It's good. <sighs> Actually, you said. I think I said Rugani before you said timer started. Probably. I think I heard you sigh. It was very. <laughs> <laughs> it was very early. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Well done. Great. All right. Good job, guys. Um, okay. Is there uh, again last point of order at all here before we wrap up the show? Uh, I guess the same as last week. I'm I'm not talking to Paulo on Sunday until after the game. <laughs> it's just it's better for both of us. God. Uh, okay, Paulo, do you have anything? Uh, yes. So we'll be continuing our um, Euro Cup trip. Our trip down Euro Cup memory lane. Mm-hmm. So we'll be constantly uh, continuing posting um, our favorite Euro Italy Euro Cup memories, and I've decided. Uh, I should say we've all decided that we will we, <laughs> uh, that we will be doing a another jersey giveaway. Another jersey giveaway. Hey. I won't say I won't say which one yet, but uh, let's uh, let's wait for after the season's after done, the season. and, and yeah. then we'll, we'll announce it after the season's over. Question: Yeah, yes. are your are your co-hosts eligible to win this? Jersey? <laughs> yes, great question. I, I don't think you'll fit in them. Oh, oh. Maybe, maybe Julian, but I don't know about the rest of you. So I can win. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Gosh. Okay, Julian, do you have anything to uh, to close out with? I just would like to point out that I really appreciate the fact that Terry is giving Inter their own time slot on Sunday. So we can all watch some of the nine AM Yeah, the only game at nine AM Sunday. Yeah, true. Oh, can somebody explain to me why the relegation games weren't split in terms of you know the relegate the ones that have an impact for relegation should be played at like noon instead of all at two forty five? Well, there's only one that uh, really matters for, at this point, right? And that's at it's yeah. just the fact that it's two forty five. I don't know. I, I think. I feel like and that's maybe probably because Syria is backwards. Yeah. They're old yeah. and they don't know how to market their product <laughs> well whatsoever. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I think uh, just the final note before we finish off then, I want to uh, just say this has been a great um, a great battle all season. It's going to come down to the wire this weekend. So if you were not planning on, on watching... Uh, 
some sort of picture in picture through a game, it, it's going to be an exciting closeout. And it, we haven't seen something like this in Serie A in a while because it's kind of been, I mean, at least for the title, obviously we knew it's been a, a decade of winning for Juventus. Now Inter have locked up their Scudetto, but uh, this is probably the most drama we've seen in Serie A in quite some time. So if you weren't planning on it, make sure you're at least uh, keeping tabs on what's going to happen this weekend because it's going to be it's going to be curtains for one of these teams, and uh, one team is is for sure going to be uh, kicking themselves for for losing to Benevento or to, <laughs> or for losing to Fiorentina. By the way, the, both those things happen to Juventus, so. Uh, we'll see if that ends up uh, again coming true this weekend, or in, or in Milan's case, losing to Sassuolo. I mean, I'd rather That's, lose to Sassuolo yeah, than Benevento. <laughs> Actually, sorry, losing to Spezia, isn't it? I'd yeah, also yeah, rather Spezia. lose to Spezia than Benevento. Fifteenth place, Spezia. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then and then Napoli also lost to Spezia as well. So. Right. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. So let's uh, again. Let's just uh, pray for some uh, some good things for all of our teams. How about that? And uh, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, some good things happen from this weekend because certain teams are in certain competitions. Okay, <laughs> and well, can, okay. I can afford more things. Okay, but put put it this way: when we hearing when we well, when will we be playing on Thursday and hearing the po 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 po? We will let you tweet that once, Paulo. Okay. <laughs> One time. <laughs> one, t- one time on Sunday. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to the end. Uh, and thank you guys for another great pod. Uh, we'll be back next week for uh, a grand finale show. Uh, and then we're going to get everybody ready and excited for the friggin' Euros, which are hey. coming up. So that's uh, that's when we can all just join together and. and I was going to uh, say, well, I'll be united for once and <laughs> and commiserate together at the same time <laughs> instead of individually. Uh, all right. Well, with that, let's call the show, and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye.